The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joel Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 7200. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Why is it that some people are so captivating, whether on stage, in the boardroom, in a sales presentation, and other people just do such a poor job of communicating their ideas, their thoughts, maybe they're even off-putting? To help us answer that question, Jason Hewlett. Jason, how are you? I'm awesome, Joel. How you doing, man? Hey, good. Listen, I want to just tell the listeners, this this is no regular guy. This is like, a, this guy, you can take off your cape, Jason. This guy <laughs> is amazing. I, I saw him present here about uh, two weeks ago uh, to an audience of all professional speakers. The National Speakers Association had its uh, annual meeting, and he was the MC of the banquet. And he just he just did stuff that was just unbelievable. And that's why... Uh, I just think that we have so much to learn. Jason, tell us, tell us what you did that evening. What was your assignment and what did you do? Well, my assignment was to be the master of ceremonies of the CPA Hall of Fame banquet, which is really an intimidating, uh, frightening event, if you will, because of the fact that all these amazing Hall of Fame speakers are in your audience. They've seen everything. They think they can do everything. And, and they're with <laughs> their spouses or their guests. And so really nothing surprises them, nothing shocks them. They've, they've been there, done that. And so as the MC, I thought, this is my only time ever that I'll be asked to do it, I bet. Let's do something that will wow them that they've never seen. So uh, I, I decided about three months prior with a three-month beard already on my face, I thought, what if I spent another three months growing this out to ridiculous portion that uh, that that when I get on stage, people will say, "Oh my gosh, is that even him? He looks ridiculous." And then <laughs> I did a, I did a song called "The Piano Man," and we we changed the words up. The show producer's name is Bill Stainton. He's a Hall of Fame speaker and a 29-time Emmy-winning producer. And we came up with a parody for "The Piano Man," 
that fit to the night of CPAE Hall of Fame, and everyone cheered and loved it. My big bushy beard poking through my harmonica as I played the piano. Let me, let me just stop you for a second, because I have to say we said we were sitting at a table the day before the banquet, and and it was nothing. There was nothing short of a, a facial forest. That thing, it was, it was the biggest beard. I was ready to do a little bit of grooming right on the spot. I was going to grab that thing and just start chopping away at it. It was, it was unbelievable. I mean, so, so at that time, I thought you were maybe, I thought it was like a religious thing. I, I, I thought that maybe you were kind of going through some kind of a transformation that was spiritually and the, I don't know, you were living in the mountains with goats or I don't know. I didn't know what was happening, but all right. So, so continue your story. <laughs> so you start by doing this piano parody, which was, which was really fun. It was really great. And then you come on stage and, 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 and everybody's just like freaked out by your beard. Cause it was just so out of control. Yeah. So I pushed the beard out as much as possible with product, with combs and bush, uh, brushes. And people have been complaining about it all week saying, why do you have such a crazy beard? And I'd say, well, I just wrote my book up in the mountains of Utah and I'm growing this out and whatever. And, and, uh, what they didn't realize is that was the main part of the whole evening was almost a, an in-your-face to the concept that us as speakers or any professional really that thinks, you know, things that we create that are really just kind of a facade, it really doesn't matter as long as what's underneath is still there. It's all the same. And so I shaved the beard in front of everyone in order to present my Elton John musical impression by saying, I can't do the Elton John impression justice with this thing in my way. And what is my level of commitment? What is my promise to you as an audience, as, a, as a, my client? And they've requested I do this one Elton John bit. So I then proceeded to shave the beard in front of everyone, shrieking, laughing their heads off, and then throwing out these ideas that other speakers do the same, that I'm you know, there are many heroes out there, but I'm not the hero. I'm just a hero, you know, and it was just really a parody of customization. It was a parody of, of what it is that we think we're so important to be able to have or do to present to our audiences and how we can get rid of anything as long as we still keep our promise to our audience. Crowd went nuts, man. It was fun. And then did the Elton John and awesome. What, what I took away from that which I think is so much bigger than the speaker business. I mean, I think for speakers, you said, let's raise the bar and let's, let's make new promises and let's go to new heights and let's do incredible things that clients aren't expecting. And, but that applies in my mind to every business, every industry, every position inside of a company. Everybody can take their job to another level if they want to. And, you know, I've seen you before and you just make a habit pressing the pedal to the metal, going to the next level, raising the bar. Uh, and, and one of the things that I'd like to talk about is, is there something that you think about? Like if you're a sales manager, how do you go to the next level? If you're a CEO of a company and you're presenting in a boardroom, how do you take it to the next level? What does the next level look like? And how do you even examine that situation? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I really think between the idea of we're on stage at all times. We're all presenters. And so we have to think of it in the sense of being a legendary performer. Why do we like certain performers more than those one-offs or those one-hit wonders? Why do they stick around? And it's, uh, um, um, the main reason is their signature moves. It's what makes them stand out in this world compared to everyone else. And so 
you know, I, I mean, I could tell you all kinds of ideas that I would do if I'm going into a boardroom. I mean, I'm first of all, I'm thinking of it as a performer and I'm, I make sure that I know my material left and right. I, I'm practicing. I'm nonstop pedal to the metal, like you say, um, I, whether it's a piano piece or if it's just the scripting. I've got it down pat because once you get on that stage, it's too late. You know, you're going to go into autopilot. And so if you're going into a boardroom, into a meeting, uh, yeah, you can have some notes, but you just got to go. And you have to turn that light on. You have to be captivating. How do you be captivating? I think you have to find within yourself your own signature voice and your ability to let's create. Talk, right? Let's talk about that for a second because you said signature move. So let's say Elton John. So you did this Elton John uh, parody thing or whatever you did, this, this lookalike thing. Um, what, are, what are Elton John's, what's his signature move? Does he even know what the move is? I mean, does everybody know what their signature move is and they do it on purpose or is it just something that gets attached to them? Describe yeah. that a little more. Good question. So Elton John, you know, his, his original signature move was his ability to write melodies that were catchy. He wasn't even a good songwriter as far as lyrics. And yet he, he combined it with a friend named Bernie Taupin to create great music. And then eventually his signature moves to the audience went from love song singer like your song, which is what he, you know, he showcased to the world at the Troubadour in L.A. back in the 70s to all of a sudden becoming the dude that put the cool big glasses on and the big outfits on. He became known for the props that he used. Right, the very flamboyant stuff yeah. and yeah. And so at some point he got sick of that signature move and being known for it. So then what did he do? He decided to strip down a little bit, became more of who he was. He had to have plugs in his hair. He had to kind of embrace what was happening to his body and even his voice went out. He had vocal surgery. His voice went from, my gift is my song, and this one's for you. All of a sudden, down to like, goodbye, no, my Jane, of the one never knew you at all. You know, and so he had to embrace what the transition was in his life. And those all have been, been parts of his signature move. We don't have just one. We so signature, signature move, like when I, when I heard it, I was thinking like it's the way you tip your head or the way you flip your hand. So it's not just a physical thing. A signature move can be anything that somebody recognizes about you. Is that what you're saying? Totally, yeah. Uh, and what's yours? Do you have one? Well, I mean, I do my faces and my voices and all the things that make me unique, you know, <laughs> and that your listeners. And by, by the way, the, the, the audience can't see this. But he, this guy's got like this Jim Carrey elasticity about his face. You know, his mouth opens like wider, like an like a lion. His tongue comes out like like a, like a, one of those anteaters. <laughs> and he just he just has the ability. You must be fun dad to be for your kids because you make these funny faces. Well, so. obviously, I have I have a lot of things that make me who I am. But the signature move is the fact that I come in, I make you laugh whether it's with the voices and the singing or the faces and so forth. And then I use my other signature moves that I've developed through the years that I've seen are my great way to, to prove the point. And that would be a real extreme vulnerability that I'm willing to strip away all the funny in order to deliver something profound. And so, you know, for you, Joel, as you're thinking about your own, I mean, you obviously come at people with this, you know, this high content, high value, high deliverables. And, and I'm looking at you like, oh man, this guy's too smart 
for me to even talk to him, you know? And, and then the next thing I know, you're the nicest person in the world. You engage with me. You act interested. Whether you are or not, I don't know, but I, I, I know that because you're this friendliest guy that I go, oh, I will do whatever he suggests I do with my money or helps me with my business. I know that about you, Joel. And so that's, we all have multiple layers of our signature moves that keeps us in business, that keeps people coming to us, that creates our relationships and our success. Is, is the um, is the way to identify the signature move, and, and, and this is an inter- such an interesting topic because everybody's got to have one of these if, if they want to be a leader, right? I mean, leaders have these signature moves that have that makes people want to follow them. Is a signature move something that you can figure out for yourself, or is it something that has to come to you from a third party? Well, that's a great question. That's why I teach it in the concept of identify, clarify, magnify. It's just three little steps. Identify first what yours are. So it's your gifts strengths, talents. You don't have to just pinpoint it to one because that's nearly impossible. You know, write down a hundred traits that you have. And the next thing you know is you can whittle it down to your top 10 that you believe you are. If it's me, I'm saying I'm an entertaining guy. I'm faithful in my religion. I'm, uh, I'm loving to my children. You know, these are things that make me who I am. Now that's my identify process. Now I come into clarify. Clarify is asking others. People like yourself or people I trust, my, my family, I can ask my wife and say, hey, you know, here's my list I identified for myself. Why, did you, why do you like me? Why did you marry me? Her list is going to be completely different with her clarifying for me things I don't even see in myself. Like when I first did this with her, I said, did you marry me because I'm so funny and I'm so cute and whatever? And she said, no, I married you because you're thoughtful, you're authentic, you're vulnerable. I've never met a man that, you know, walks up to people and tells them how great they are. I've never met a man like that. And, and so now I overlap what I've been told by others, whether it's business people, my clients, my family relationships, it overlaps with the things that make me great in my own mind. And that's when we can take identify, clarify. Now we magnify it to the world. Our signature move is just keeping our promise to share it. That is really, that's really a fascinating formula. And, and I just want to tell the audience uh, that about five years ago or so, right, you wrote a post on Facebook. Um, it's, it's one of these kind of posts that, uh, you know, men, women, everybody liked it until their spouses read it. And then they had some repercussion. But like, so, uh, and, and the, the thing was that, you know, you, you see this beautiful woman in Target and you're, you find you're a married man, longtime married man. You, you find yourself staring and, and just daydreaming about this beautiful woman. And then she turns around, it turns out it's your own wife. And you wrote this incredible story and, and it got millions of shares and right, didn't it get something like that? It went totally viral. It was like all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's been estimated around 100 million views. Yeah. Uh, it was the top story on today's show. We were on The View, just all kinds of crazy stuff around the whole world. That, that just came from the heart, right? That was just you writing a story. You could never plan that sort of thing. But And, and that was a great story and everybody loved you until... Uh, spouses started saying, why can't you be more like this guy, Jason, then they don't like you anymore. (laughs) I was the most, the most envied man in the world uh, by, you know, by women. And at the same time, the husbands were like, jump in a lake, pop. You know, (laughs) it it, it started out with kind of this perfect line, I guess, for which we call clickbait now. But it was, uh, I think I cheated on my wife today with my wife. Let me explain. And it resolved after I had watched her and 
and been so grateful for her as my wife that resolved into this thing saying, you know, we see each other every day, but it's nice to see each other with fresh eyes to realize the light we are in each other's lives. And that's what really stuck. It became this concept called the promise. What's our promise to the one that we love? What's our promise to ourselves? And eventually it became this leadership message of what's your promise to the people you work with, to your customer, to your audience. And so as a keynote speaker, now that's how I present it as a performer's promise to the audience and how we do the same in leadership. But you know, but, but it's, it's the sales manager's promise. It's yeah. the, it's the line manager's promise. It's, it's, it's the chairman of the board's promise to the shareholders. I mean, everybody makes a promise and, and they all have to look at that promise from many perspectives. So I think that if, if you generalize what you're saying, it is just so valuable to so many different people. Yeah, it works in a, in a really a lot of neat ways. And even recently, Joel, you know, I've had clients that are coming at me going, well, you know, it, it sounds like you're talking about promises. Why, why is this important to us? And I just have to say, well, think about it. Your meeting is about goals generally. And if we miss our goals, we just set a new one and go try again. But if you make a promise and you break it, you have a problem. So what are the non-negotiables? You know, and I even had a financial group say to me recently, they said, you know, we don't know how important this promise message really is to our financial advisors. And I said, okay, I can, I can see where you're coming from because you must not get the point yet. But let me ask you this. Your financial advisor goes home his son's standing there with his baseball glove, and, and he says, Daddy, can we play catch? The dad goes, Son, I promise you will play catch after I'm done catching up with work today. He goes in, starts working. A couple hours later, comes back out, going to bed, notices his kid is asleep on the stairs with his baseball mitt. Now he realizes he has broken a promise. Do you want financial advisors breaking promises at home and breaking promises to those that they serve? No. So let's talk about those promises and how we can make sure that we keep them. And then they bring me in. It's funny if I can help you it know, out. I, I, heard, I heard a really extreme one that, uh, you know, the difference between promise and goal, very much like what you're saying, you know, uh, couples being married, they're, they're on the altar, they're being married. And, and the guy says, it's my goal to be faithful. <laughs> you know, right. is it a goal or is it a promise? And that really, you know, when you start thinking about the children, spouse, when you personalize this sort of stuff, it really does uh, help us understand better what we need to be doing for our clients. Yeah, totally. And, you know, and where you started asking with how would somebody in a boardroom make this type of presentation and how can we, you know, how can we really sell it, if you will? The, the point is just that you have to know your audience. You have to know, uh, know them, whether it's the people that you've worked with already, their own, their own families, their personal likes. You know, when I get a phone call from a client, as, as, as I'm on the phone, I'm looking them up on LinkedIn right away. I'm digging in. I'm getting to know my audience because I don't want to be singing a Louis Armstrong 1950s song to a millennial who doesn't know who he is. And so when we're, when we're in that boardroom, do we know who we're talking to? Are we throwing in something brand new or are we just coming in with that one thing already been discussed that we can really land and, uh, and captivate that group with our with our ability to, to deliver the promise in our signature move kind of way, you know? You know, 
so what we're really talking about, you know, we talk about the inside track and, and really how companies benefit from that or profit from the inside. And, you know, what we're really talking about is in the inside track of, of how you make a promise, you know, and why promises are better than goals. That's a really significant one. And, and, you know, how you get people to follow you and how, you know, your signature move, that there's something that they know about you that causes them to want to follow you and want to uh, provide you with the kind of respect that's going to help you be successful. I mean, these are all really significant things. And, and the last thing is really, you know, I know for you that you just have this incredible commitment to constantly raising the bar, constantly challenging yourself to new uh, crazy ideas uh, like growing the beard or whatever it is that you do. But, you know, just constantly saying, how can we do better? Are there questions that you ask yourself, like, what, what else can I do? How can I do better? Like, what's your thought pattern around going the extra mile and, and really kind of raising the bar? Yeah, I, I would say that for me, it's a constant desperation to live my true identity, which is I am an artist. And so an artist is constantly pushing. Um, if you look at Picasso's career, he went through all these different stylings and people didn't like the different variations that he was in at times, you know, other times they loved it, but he went through all these different periods in his life to continually push to another level. Um, even, even Da Vinci himself, when he was uh, in his latest book, uh, Walter Isaacson, he says, you know, Da Vinci listed painter as like his number 19th thing that he did because he was trying to sell everyone that he was a military strategist and, and that he was coming to a new city to develop these ideas as, and inventions and, and safety and defense and so forth. And so I think as we constantly push to getting to that next level, my question is always, you know, out of desperation, how do I win this client to the point that they go, He's so over-delivered. I mean, who do we have after him? We have to have him back. That's the only answer they have. And so that drives me to say, how do I continually recreate, re-deliver, whether that means growing the follicles on my face <laughs> in order to, you know, to show that there is something else coming at them. And, uh, and yeah, man, the, the constant push is what's exciting for me. I never get on stage and just do that thing that I've always done. I'm always doing it in a new way. And that's, what's fun. You know, you know, as I, as I keep thinking about this signature move and, you know, and, and, and pushing the envelope is like part of your signature move. Right. But it's really, it's your brand. You know, if Da Vinci had listed painter as number 19 and he wanted to be seen as something else, he was branded all wrong. I mean, he brand, he was branded as a painter. And once that gets branded in the minds of your consumers, it's very difficult to rebrand. It's very expensive to change. And, and so that signature move kind of becomes your personal brand, I imagine. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Well said. It's the, the personal brand is your signature move and your promise is your mission statement, you know? And so if, if you're saying to yourself, I'm going to set goals and so forth, I'm not saying goals aren't important, but think of it this way where goals are your, you know, goals are particulars to getting to the promises, which are your proclamations. Goals are particulars, promises are proclamations. So goals are still important and they help you get to that greater promise that you've made for yourself. And, and that is always delivering the signature move. The signature move can be changed 
over years and years of rebranding. But if you're so good at your original signature move you're known for, that's going to be hard to shift. Yeah. And I've been, I've been working on that myself for years because I'm now a leadership keynote speaker. But Joel, you know this about me. Um, five years ago, I was solely known as Jason Hewlett, the entertainer. No one would have ever thought leadership message speaker ever. Uh, and it's been a hard shift to yeah. shift everyone's mind. But, you know, I, I could see it for you, though, because, number one, uh, your message is very easy to absorb. It's, it's a friendly message. It's a fun message. And, and if you can generalize some of your experiences into the business world, uh, they're universal messages that really work. And that's, that's the powerful part. So, I mean, I, I really see it. Um, and and I, don't, I don't disagree that it's very difficult to rebrand or whatever you've had to do, but I, I certainly see that you could definitely do it and then it's worth uh, you know, making the effort to make it happen. Means a lot. But, you know, Joel, I've had to now, because I was known as entertainment guy for 15 years out of Las Vegas and so forth, now over the last uh, three or four years as I've rebranded, I, none of my old clients came along with me. I've had to go repitch, resell, rebrand my whole website, everything I write about, everything I post, everything I say leads back to this message. So, so let's talk, let's talk for a second about, you know, about reinvention because that, that's, you've reinvented uh, very successfully. And, and let me tell you the good thing about not bringing those old clients with you. Yeah. Whatever they remembered about you, whatever they used to pay you is in the past. And new people start fresh. And I'm sure that that's worked out to your advantage. Totally. You're right. And, and I'll tell you, the toughest sell in the world is taking the entertainment clients to the speaker side of things. They just can't see it. It's almost like embracing Jim Carrey as Ace Ventura and then the Truman Show. People just couldn't do it in their mind. Yeah. And there's only been a few actors that made that shift. Tom Hanks, Robin Williams. I'd like to be in that category. Let me tell you something. I, uh, I have a feeling that the hardest sell was not the client, the entertainment client, moving them over to some other category or whatever categories you have. I think the hardest sell has probably been for yourself. Yeah. Getting yourself to see yourself in a new way. Because yeah. that's the hardest part of reinvention is seeing yourself in a new way. Well, and letting go of the good to grab onto the great. And that's the other really tough part because I'm really good as an entertainer, but I know that by coupling the entertainment mixed with the leadership messaging and inspiration, it's great. And so that's been the tough part as well. You're right. Well, listen, but, but the, the new message is magnified by your delivery style, which is the entertainment. So in a certain way, you bring to the table something that's very awesome. I mean, it's, uh, it's a very clever way. It's a very fun way that you deliver uh, material that might otherwise be delivered, you know, similarly by someone else, different words. And, you know, it's funny, a lot of us have similar themes, but we language it all differently. Yours is languaged with different senses and different, uh, the whole thing is different, which is really unusual and cool. Yeah, it's been fun to make it work. And uh, I mean, to be frank, as long as I get in front of an audience, they have me back. <laughs> so that's been <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, there's, uh, there's a couple ways people say thank you in this country. And uh, one of them is by paying you properly. And the second one is by inviting you back. So uh, listen, you, you are quite an extraordinary person. You, you have a lot to, uh, to share. Uh, we have a lot to learn from you. So thank you very much. Thanks for sharing the inside track on, on all these different topics. 
It's my pleasure. And I just so admire the work you've created and the world you've made for yourself. It's cool that you're helping so many people with this inside track. Thanks for letting me be on. Hey, good. Well, listen, we're going to put all your information in the show notes. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, they can reach out directly. Okay. Thanks, man. All right, man. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. Shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the Inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. The Inside Track on 20 Top Business Trends for 2020 from Joel Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.